Welcome to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler-Sutton, an ongoing discussion on geeky topics. Hello, fellow geeks. I admit, I got into Sense8 fairly late. Like many shows, it wasn't that I wasn't interested. Having been a fan of J. Michael Straczynski's Babylon 5 and the Matrix movies, yes, all of them, I was pretty excited when the show was first announced in 2012. But hearing the concept made me want to make sure I concentrated on what sounded like a glorious exploration of self. But I kept wanting to see it, and gifts from the show on my Tumblr over its two seasons showed that it looked as good as it sounded. So when Netflix announced the show's cancellation in 2017, I regretted not getting into the show earlier, and so set aside a couple of weekends and binged watched the two seasons. And, as expected, I loved it. If you're not familiar with the show, Sense8 is an hour-long drama created by Lana and Lily Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. The show followed a multinational and diverse cast of eight strangers around the world who suddenly become what's called Sense8s, people who are mentally and emotionally linked with each other. Filmed almost entirely on location in the various cities, the show garnered much critical praise for its exploration of politics, identity, religion, sexuality, and gender. Fan reaction to the cancellation led to an announcement from Netflix that there would be a two-hour series finale to wrap up the various plot lines in the show. On June 7th, 2018, I was lucky enough to attend the red carpet for said series finale. Much of the cast was there, and there was a sense of sadness and hope as I interviewed them. First of all, I have to ask, is the Van Damme in this parking lot? Um, we, we can't say. I, I pulled up, um, <laughs> actually, me and my boys, I'm shocked, yeah, G-D. no, no, we, we, we uh, pulled up in the Van Damme, but uh, we, bought, we bought some rims on it, you know. Toby Armour, I play Caffius, uh, potentially uh, President uh, Caffius Oyango, yeah. What was the favorite part of playing, of your character for you? Um, I would say that the joy that he exhibits, I think that I have that in my real life, so being able to kind of just channel that, use that into the character, sometimes it, it didn't feel like performing I would that kind of joy I have with being with these amazing people that's kind of the joy that Caffius has just being alive you know even given the circumstances that he's in we kind of have that like shared energy so that's kind of like the best part about playing him now with the show ending sadness uh, was there a part when you first started playing the role that did you have like a headcanon that either either came true as the show progressed or didn't come true that you hoped would come true well it's funny so like when I got in they gave me like I got in in April, and I think they had started like two months earlier. They just gave me a pile of scripts. They're like, hey, read this. Let's get to work. So as I was reading it, when I got to episode 10 with the, like the big speech, it was like amazing. And that was like, this is, this is amazing. And I can only imagine what's going to happen in later seasons. But the, the uh, episode 10, season two was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. Yeah. Now, uh, when the show started, we were obviously in a vastly different political atmosphere. You play a very political character. Yes, yes. Do you feel it's getting better or not? Um, it, you know what? It is in some. It, it's so it's interesting because with like Trump in office, it might feel like there's like this huge dark cloud. But I think whenever you are met with this kind of, um, 
I don't want to say political resistance, but political resistance, look at the kind of art we're producing now. You know, look at the kind of voices that are coming up and saying, no, we don't believe in this. This is not how it should be. Whenever you're met with a great force, there's great resistance that comes with that. And I think I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the president, but um, I really like what's happening in response to his presidency. A lot of people are standing up and there are a lot of voices that are that are coming out. Uh, one of the things that drew me and drew a lot of people was the diversity of the cast. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, yeah, I think it's 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 necessary. You want to have a plethora of voices with different life experiences to say, okay, um, this is how I do one thing. How do you do this? Okay, and then it it makes you it makes you question why you do what you do and that's how like empathy starts. When you start the conversation with people who are different than you. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's, I think that's the best part about this, like the empathy and love because of the diversity. Yeah, it's necessary. And then my name on my podcast is Geek Out, and I try to ask everybody I interview, what are you geeky about and why? Oh, God. What am, okay, I'm going to say two things. Smooth jazz, like adult adult contemporary jazz. Please tell me you've seen Jeff Goldblum's jazz show. No, but uh, I'm about to now. <laughs> no, and then um, anime. Oh, God. Which anime? Uh, One Punch Man, uh, Naruto. We actually watched that before we got in here. Yo, Armstrong, Armstrong, aren't we, aren't we like big Naruto people? Like, look at him, like, we're, this is the life we live. What about it draws you? I, I just like the, the universe, the scale, the scope, like, the, like, dudes can, like, shoot power beams from their hands. I want to be able to do that. Give me, like, t 10 more years, I'll be up there. Hello, my name is Freema Adjman, and I play Amanita Kaplan. What was your favorite part of your character? Oh my goodness, I, I, I don't know where to start. I feel like she's the sort of person that I wish I could be. Um, I think... Being able to have the opportunity to play her has probably been the most significant moment in my career. To play this queer, cisgendered, urban hippie who is an active campaigner for freedom to love and to just be so free in her own skin and revel in her sexuality and celebrate life and love and, and the flesh. I mean, I am truly going to miss the strength of that character and, and inhabiting her. I'm going to miss that so much. Now that the show is ending, sad face, I know a lot of actors, I know that they, you know, how they plan their characters. Was there something that you had as a, like a headcanon when you first started playing the character that either came true later or didn't come true that you wanted to come true? Do you know with her, I, I, it's probably the reason it's been the most enjoyable experience of my career so far is it felt the most organic and that could be down to the writing it could be down to the way Lana you know the the the, the feeling on set which is very um, permissive and you know very explored exploratory and and very free so actually it kind of evolved each time and changed and and if there was something I particularly ever wanted it was we could just always talk about it I loved discovering where she went and how she developed I was totally open to all of it, and I was not disappointed in the slightest. It, she always exceeded my expectation. Awesome. Now, when, when the show started, we were in a different political situation, even with the UK with Brexit. Things have changed. Do you think we have, I mean, it's getting better? Do you know what? Sense8 is um, it's before its time, quite frankly, because it's, it's talking about acceptance and empathy and universality and the reality is we are in very divisive times at the moment and I feel like the people who are connecting with this show are beyond their time as well they are already in their hearts and minds living in a world where love is love and they are and empathy makes sense we just need the rest of the world to catch up catch up with that one more question my podcast is called geek out what are you geeky about and why 
uh, what do I geek out about? I geek out um, 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 about still being able to sit in a room with Lana Wachowski and have a conversation with her as a friend. I mean, to meet your, they say never meet your heroes, but sometimes, just sometimes, it goes right. <laughs> Jamie Clayton, I play Nomi Marks. What was the favorite part of your character? The, my favorite part, like favorite scene or like favorite... Like, what part of the character did you like the most? Fuck, that's a hard one. Well, maybe that... I don't know, I feel like... Or you can say favorite scene if that's any... Well, the, the, yeah, the favorite, the favorite <laughs> scene, you haven't, you'll see it right now. And then, but my favorite thing about her, I think, is that she... It's like the... I'm trying to think of how to put it into words. I mean, it's like she's always there and ready to go with a solution to any problem that the cluster gets themselves into, like via her hacking. You know, she's fucking smart and amazing and, and dope. And she's in this amazing relationship. And yeah, there's too many things to count. <laughs> Now, uh, I know a lot of actors and how they, you know, develop their characters. Was there a headcanon that you had when you first started playing the character that either came true as a series or didn't come true and you're like, man, I wish that had happened? What does that mean? Like you, like when you, you know how like you have a background that you decide to create when you, when you first get the part, you, you know. Oh, no. Preparation that you do. No. Well, when we, when we first met all in San Francisco, there was an opportunity for every actor to go and have a discussion with the creators and then ask questions in that respect. And so everything that I knew about her came from the writers. And so that's what I knew about her was what they had told me. And I just went with that. Yeah. Now, um, when the show premiered, we were in a slightly polit different political situation than we are now. Do you think things are going to get better? Of course, things always get better. And then uh, one of the reasons that the show spoke to so many people was because of the diversity, not just racially, but sexually. Uh, speak a little bit about that. Well, when you say sexually, what does that mean? Like, you know, we had straight, gay, trans. So sexual orientation, gender identity, it's, I think it's important that we, that we know that those two things are separate from each other. Um, yeah, I mean, and the, the show is incredibly diverse. It's diverse ethnically, it's diverse, you know, with, um, with gender and sexuality. Um, you know, it's, and I think that it's important to show all those things in, on, on screen. You know, I'm the only out queer person on the show, and so that was hard to carry that weight. But it's, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have backed away from a challenge. I love a challenge. You know, I'm just like Elle Woods. Pick the hard one. I'm not afraid of a challenge. And then the name of my podcast is called Geek Out. I uh, try to ask everybody I interview, what are you geeky about and why? Oh, 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 um, I'm super geeky about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm super geeky about disco music. I'm super geeky about shoes. Why? Why do all those to speak to you? Well, disco music's always happy, even when the, even if it's like a woman singing and she's really pissed off and she's breaking up, it's still really happy and you can dance to it. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is also super diverse and funny and um, Chelsea Peretti's amazing. Gina Linetti. I love Hi, her. I am best. Brooke Lewis, and a.k.a. Oh Ms. Vampy. We are rocking out here with the vampire culture and I am geeking out with Angie Fiedler Sutton. Thanks so much. Bite me. You can find Contents May Vary, the home of the Geek Out podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash contentsmayvary. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at the handle Angie F. Sutton. Be sure to give me a review over on iTunes or Stitcher. Finally, I have a newsletter. Be sure to sign up for it over at angiefsutton.com. And now back to my interviews from the red carpet from the series finale of Sense8. If you're familiar with the show... Freema and Jamie played lovers on it. So, of course, at one point during the red carpet, they were interviewed together. 
Taylor Henderson of Pride Media was next to me on the red carpet, and he ended up talking to them both. Here's part of it. Um, obviously, LGBTQ representation is such a big part of the show, and it's like loved by so many because of that. But um, so my question is, why is it so important to see this representation? Like in Africa, with sexual characters, Akia, or um, India, and all these different places around the world that it might not even be legal. Um, why is it so important to see that? Well, I mean, I, I just feel like you know, it, it is so vital for people to be able to see. It's not just about representation, it's about portrayal. I think if you start saying, you know, let's just put a smattering of people on something to cover, you know, uh, a, a wide spectrum, you can get into tokenism, you know, you kind of have to invest in those people and their stories and who they are and what they're saying. And, and I feel like in mainstream television, especially with like gay relationships, they're even portrayed as like uh, promiscuous or, or deviant. And it's kind of like, or they could just be sitting there talking about how they're going to make the mortgage payment this month. Because that's yeah. kind of probably what's going to go, be going on in people's houses. So it's about having people who are going to invest in true portrayals. And um, and that's something, you know, Netflix has always been on the vanguard of storytelling. The Wachowskis always tell thought-provoking stories. And together, they've created this incredibly relevant, brave, exciting journey, which look how people respond to. It just needs, people need to be braver to stand up and just tell it like it is without fear of you know kind of um which as you say in countries where 70 countries around the world where it's still illegal you know people are are gagged and they can't speak but and i'm not saying with a sweeping generalization stand up and speak in the middle of a crowd because you're going to probably get in some trouble for it in certain countries but the, the more of us who are in free free countries that can tell these stories we can that can ripple out and hopefully impact people around the world yeah. It's, inter it's interesting, you know, being on a show that is so diverse ethnically and, you know, it's shot all over the world. So what I hope when people watch it is that they see the characters and, and then maybe they see me off screen and they say, oh, wow, like, she's really trans in real life, too. Like, maybe that's okay. Like, these characters, I really like them. And then she's really doing that, too. And she seems really cool. So I want people to tune in and watch it and just not be so afraid when they step out you know they get on a bus you know they go to a movie theater they do things and they see people you know who might not sound like what they think they should sound like or might not look what they think that they should look like and not be so scared because they're like oh you know what like i think she might be like that girl on sense you know it's that's what i really hope that's beautiful so okay so why are the sex scenes so important sex is a big part of the show and the sensate connection to each other why is that so important because it's the one thing, one of the many things, but definitely one thing that we all have in common. So if, if, if you put a TV show on and someone's blowing someone's head off, a room full of people will sit there and go, he just blew his head off. Soon as people start having sex, everyone's just a bit like, <laughs> but you're okay to watch like mad violence, but not okay to watch the most natural thing in the world. It's important because we have to normalize it and make people go, it's okay to look at it, it's okay to feel sexy, it's okay to have sex, it's okay to have whatever kind of fucking sex you want to have. But it's just getting it more out there in, you know, people have, we've spoken to people around the world saying, I watched it with my mum and I finally came out and I told her and, 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 and you know, things, 
it's about starting a dialogue. Yeah. And yes. let's begin. Let's talk about sex, baby. baby. Let's <laughs> talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. That baby. <laughs> it's true. It can. Well, I mean, she's so. I mean, you're so smart and beautiful, and yes, it can start a dialogue. I mean, that's what this show has done around the world with so many different kinds of people. It's. It's, I get so many messages from people, you know, where they're either coming out as any kind of queer, you know, somewhere under the trans umbrella, you know, somewhere under the, the lesbian, gay, bisexual umbrella, people who have like, oh, yes, I watched this with my parents, or like, even just like guys being like, hey, like, just want you to know, like, I watched your weird show, and you're hot, and you opened my mind, thanks. Like, and I'm like, it's, it's awesome, you know, I mean, it's, that's, you know, Great, good. Yeah. <laughs> Brian J. Smith, I play Will. And uh, what was the favorite part of your character? Oh man, I, I he, he just wanted to help people in the end. And uh, he had a hard time helping himself sometimes because of his past. But I think in the finale, a really cool thing is that you're really seeing Will at his best. He's, he's found himself, he's found his voice, he's gotten the ground back underneath his feet and he's doing what he does best and that's, that's helping people. Now the show is ending, unfortunately. Was there a, a certain path that you wanted your character to take that it didn't, or was there a way that it went that you were like, "Yes, I'm so glad it happened that way"? I would have, I would have, I would have loved to have seen um, uh, maybe more an exploration of like his sort of homosexual side. I would have loved to have seen, um, I would have loved to have seen him somehow make it to his father's funeral. But you know, Lana is such a surprising artist, a writer, director, that you have no idea where she's gonna take a story. So I, maybe more than anything, I just, oh, uh, what was she thinking up? You know, what was next for her? And I really, there's no way to predict it because she just thinks in a completely different way than the rest of us do. Now, when the show started, we were in a different political situation than we are currently. Uh, the show is, you know, very progressive. Do you think it is helping? Well, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough thing to, to say if uh, how, how a piece of film or TV moves the needle, you know, in this country politically. I think, if anything, it's just given people that think and feel a certain way and feel ostracized. It's given them a sort of a little home, a little corner of the entertainment universe that they feel is for them and you know in the end that's what we're here to do it's not not necessarily to uh, you know change the world politically it's great if you can but it's just to give people comfort and and to take their minds off of their lives but if you're gonna put their lives or their minds back on their lives try inspire them try and make them feel great about being a human being and I think that's what Lana was trying to do the name of my podcast is called geek out and I ask everybody I interview what are you geeky about and why the why being the what am I currently geeking out? I'm, I'm actually geeking out over this writer, Edmund Wright, who's a, I think he's New York based, but he's a, he's a gay writer and he's, I just completely blow my mind. I've, I'm on book number four of him, of his right now. I just boom, 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 boom. What about it draws you? I love the honesty. I love his, the way that he makes New York City come alive, a, a certain era. I, I love the way that he... I love the way that he talks about se sexuality in a very frank, literary way. Uh, he makes you want to get out and live your life, which uh, when I read a great book, I know I want to get out and live, live, live. And, and he makes me want to do that. You know? And what's next on your plate? Oh, God, I can't say. But I, but I do. But there's something that I, I, I'm hoping we're going to be able to announce pretty soon. Hi, uh, my name is Tina Desa, and I play Kala Dandegar. Um, what was the favorite part of your character that you liked? 
Oh, so many things. Um, I just, I think the best part was the fact that you can sense it with all the other sensates, you know, uh, be a part of their lives, be a part of their story as if it's yours. And uh, to, 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 to be able to understand some other character as, as if it's your own, I think that whole concept itself was something that was very interesting to me because it's like there's no truth, there's no, I'm sorry, there's no lies, there are no barriers. It's everything crystal clear as if it's your own story. And I thought that, you know, that to just play with that idea was huge and fascinating. Now, when you first started playing the character, was there a uh, way you wanted your character to go that it didn't, or that you were like, when, yes, this finally happened? Well, I think Lana likes to surprise you. There were many times when I sat and I predicted what I think my storyline would be or where it would go. Um, and then especially during the second season, I was like, I think I know her now. And then she just manages to surprise you every time, even in the finale. You know, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but the way my story, my issue is addressed at the end of it is incredible. It's just out of the box and it's revolutionary. <laughs> I'm Miguel Ángel Silvestre and I play Lito Rodríguez. <laughs> what was the favorite part of your character? Well, I think that, that he finally stands for who he is, you know, and that is a very brave move from my character, you know, that I really admire and it inspired me for other things in life. The favorite moment of the show, I think it, would, it, it was the, the dancing we did at, in the Tory Fell. Okay. And it, so it's oh. in the last episode because yeah, okay. we kind of knew that the, the show was going to end there. So it was kind of like a celebration in a way, you know? So that was, even though it was freezing, we had so much fun that night. Yeah. Okay. I must admit, you were the character that frustrated me the most <laughs> because you just kept on making stupid decisions. <laughs> um, but um, was there something that you wanted to do that your, you wanted your character to do that you didn't or that you did that you're like, oh yes. Well, yeah, I, I, if, I, if I could have another, another one, if I could have another one, one of the things that I would do is I would love Lido to be successful in his career so we can prove the world that you know or inspire people to to feel that they can do it and nothing is going to change and now it's time for Angie Geeks Out Twenty eighteen is the fiftieth anniversary of the much beloved children's television show Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. With that in mind, there has been a bit of celebration. PBS did a special hosted by Michael Keaton, Mr. Rogers, It's You I Like, which is unfortunately still unavailable to view on their website or their app. There's an upcoming biopic starring Tom Hanks. And then there's the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Directed by Morgan Nelville, this documentary does the smart thing and rather than profiling the man Fred Rogers, focuses on how he manages to make a show that, as the trailer states, takes all of the elements that make good television and does the exact opposite. I finally managed to catch the movie on July 6th of this year, and as I expected, I cried. In a good way. The movie profiles Rogers as a man committed to helping very young children learn more about their world. His commitment to them filters through everything he does, and is a passion that ends up showing itself in the famous Senate testimonial in 1969 to garner funding for PBS. Through archival footage and interviews with both people who worked with him on the show, as well as his children and his widow, it shows that despite being beloved by millions, he was constantly dealing with imposter syndrome and worried about how best to translate the events of the world to a child's understanding. And yes, the man wasn't perfect. There's a segment that talks about how he reached out to the actor who played Officer Clemens, who was gay, telling him that Clemens couldn't go to gay clubs. 
Also, as pointed out in the Pop Culture Happy Hour segment that discussed it on July 3rd, there's an undercurrent of negativity surrounding some of the more noisy and hyper children's television programs that are out there, not seeming to realize that not all children process the same way and that these children's programs aren't for every age. But the documentary itself is excellent. While, yes, it plays heavily on nostalgia, it also gives insight into the struggles that the show underwent as well as how much effort Rogers put into it. KCRW's The Business did a great interview with Neville on June 11th of this year that delves into how difficult it had been before to make this documentary. Won't You Be My Neighbor gets two shoes up for me. It looks like it got a national release on July 13th, so check your local theater listings. You can also find out more about the movie as well as where it's playing on the Focus Features website for it, which will be linked on my website. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks to the cast of Sense8 for taking the time to talk to me at the red carpet. If they have a website, it's linked on my show notes, which is listed on angiefsutton.com. Sense8 is streaming on Netflix at netflix.com sense8. Thanks also to Scream Queen Brooke Lewis for her plug. You can hear her as one of many interviews in episode 29, which was the red carpet for the movie Living Among Us. Next up, I managed to attend the red carpet for the short film The Man Who Unlocked the Universe where I interviewed two of the actors, including, to my heart's content, Armand DeSante, one of the producers, and got to sit in on an interview with none other than Buzz Aldrin. I did a write-up for this as well for Fandomopolis, but you get to hear the audio in all its glory in my next episode. Until next time, stay geeky. Thanks for listening to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler-Sutton. The theme song is Schoolyard Haze by Yari Pitnikin, available via the Free Music Archive. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. More information about the podcast is available on AngieFSutton.com.